Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. You see, I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. I really, really believe that every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and who couldn't use a little, okay, a lot of hope, especially what we've been through in the last year and a half, but we won't go there. Today, you're in for a special treat. Wait, you're in a special treat every time I have a guest because all my guests are special. Today, we're talking to Angela Savage. Who is Angela Savage? She is the daughter of the legendary 1973 Indy 500 race car driver, Swede Savage, who unfortunately lost his life in that race in 1973. We're talking to Angela today to see what she's doing back in her hometown, in her community, and how she's honoring and remembering her dad and the struggles that she went through with the loss of her dad and how she came out of the fire. Please help me welcome my guest this morning, Angela. Good morning. Good morning, Christine. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a real honor to get to see you in person. You're just as lovely as you are on camera as you are on the phone. On the phone, same as you. I I love your your energy. You just have a lot of positive energy and I thank you for letting me be a part of that today. And thank you for giving me the opportunity because as you had already mentioned, we spoke on the phone and you said you don't give everybody the opportunity to sit and find out who Angela is or talk about your dad or anything about you because not everyone is worthy of that, right? Well, I I sure used to be like that. I'm trying not to be like that now. I'm selective in who I uh, spend my time with and my energy because I just have to have um, certain boundaries for my own mental health. But I'm learning that a lot of that um, is just myself being shy or being afraid to show up. And I can use that as an excuse sometimes to continue hiding from myself and everyone else. But what I'm trying to do is... uh, do everything that I say I'm going to do, suit up and show up. Um, sometimes you have to do it afraid. You know, it's it's not that we're not afraid. You just have to do it anyway. So I'm trying to be more open with myself and my story in order to um, hopefully inspire other people to do the same thing, to find your own truth, to look yourself in the mirror and say, who really am I? And find your gift and then turn around and give it to everyone else. Absolutely. And that's what I'm doing with what my story was, but we're not going to talk about my story today because this is about you, even though we share a similarity and that is the loss of a loved one. But before I get into the details of everything, I know that your mom was pregnant at the time your father passed away. And typically I would ask the question of, tell me about your loved one, but I'm not sure if that's the right question to ask because you're actually living with the memory through other people of who your dad was. Do you want to share maybe what you learned of your dad? And then we can go into how that journey went the way it did to where you are today. Sure. Um, Let me just kind of start by saying in 1973, my mom was six months pregnant with me in the audience watching when my dad, um, 200 miles an hour, came around the corner and he he hit the wall and he blew up and uh, my mom was watching that. So uh, after that, my mom really left the racing community and took me with her for very good reasons and never really looked back. Um, But I, I finally made my... I finally got back to the track in IMS, at IMS in 2014 when um, my dad's fans, they figured out who I was on Facebook oh. and they started to ask me, you know, well, have you ever been to the Indy 500 or you need to come here and see the mark that your dad left? You know, and my first response was, hell no. Why would I want to go to the one event that really 
ruin my life, you know, and, and, and other people in my family. Um, something in the, in the racing community that's not um, in the past hasn't been spoken about too much are the fatal crashes, which they used to just die left and right. And the show went on. That's all different now. But in the old days, they didn't really want to talk about it because it's so sad and it's uncomfortable. And they kind of swept that stuff under the rug. Well, in 2014, that kind of changed with IMS. They really embraced me coming back and the track got involved and Doug Bowles, the president of IMS got involved and um, just being there and meeting all of my father's fans and seeing the race which is bigger than life itself it's really mind-blowing it's the only thing these days that that really makes you feel like you're watching the like you're a gladiator spectator in the roman coliseum i mean it's mind-blowing right um ever when i came back that's when i started to learn a lot about myself it was time for me to face my fears and 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 let go of all of the i've been running my whole life that's like i was stuck like my throttle was stuck or I like to say like I was a bucket, but nothing would fill the bucket. I tried everything, drugs and alcohol and running from life in general just didn't work. Mm -hmm. So after I got back to the track, um, I actually spent some time in the spot. He didn't die there. Just just to be clear, he did survive for 33 days. Um, and uh, I have a book coming out. We talk about the 33 days. He was really riding on spirit alone. I, I, I think. He had one foot in heaven at that moment when he hit the wall. But when I when I went to face my biggest fear, my big fiery dragon and face it, you know, eye to eye. And um, I told you on the phone, I spent some time at the spot and I yelled at the wall and I cussed at the wall. I spit on the wall and then I forgave the wall, <laughs> you know, and so it was this really amazing moment you could feel something really spiritual happening and ever since then it's like these like an onion all these layers of just um crap that i've put on myself that other people have put on me you know curses spoken over me by people that love me and don't you know all this stuff just started to come out and i um in the process, uh, started writing a book with my business partner ted warner it's coming out this year name of the and book a savage angel oh. and uh what what it talks about the first half is really about my dad it's a, a autobiography or as close as one probably will be but the second half is really about what happens to a family after a tragedy like that after right. that kind of trauma how do you surf that kind of weight what happens to these people do they just fall out or you know how do you survive that and so um I find it interesting, by the way, that you say that because people don't see what happens, what we see on, on the inside of those lives. Like you had already mentioned going into dark areas of your life. And that is one thing that people ask me too. Like, oh, I, I can't imagine. But it's like, we are those people that we didn't get that option to imagine it. This is what our life is with no answers, right? We just have to figure out what we're supposed to do day by day. And we look like we're <clears throat> heroes to some people or they put us on a pedestal thinking, oh, you've lost a loved one and you just keep you know, smiling and doing what you do. But they don't ask you really what happens. Then you hear, you hear of the separation of families. You hear about someone going into addictions. As you already mentioned, you're just like, these are some of the Anything dark areas. That, that yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah. Make me stop feeling. I can't yeah. feel this anymore. How do yeah. I get out of my mind? And then the isolation happens when you realize that people that haven't been through the same type of trauma as you, they can never relate to you really mm -hmm. on the level that you and I 
can relate um, and other people with similar traumas. It's a different thing. It's a different, con I mean, when you realize that you've been through a lot that, that it, it can be really a lonely feeling because um, you feel alienated or you, or you feel like an alien on the planet because people don't understand you because they haven't been what you've been through what you've been through. And um, that can be a really dangerous place to fall into isolation, drug addiction, all the all the things, yeah. all the vices, you know, we just have to, um, you know, there's another one too. What's that? Sex. Survival. I'll leave it to you. No, <laughs> leave that to you. <laughs> Survivor guilt. Oh, oh, because I thought you too, but. that we, you know, of course I went to, I heard the ass part. Anyway, yes. Survival, um, survival mode, uh, and survivor and guilt. And survivor guilt. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, mm -hmm. your story. I, uh, you and I relate because there's just something about being in the car. It's so unnatural. Right. It's just such a, a unnatural way to, to go. And, and, um, thinking about you not being able to make a phone call for for amount of time and being stuck in that horror scene alone. Um, I just have so much empathy for for you in that moment. I don't know what that was like. I right. never lost a child, but I have so much empathy for who you are as a person and oh, and um, and for coming out of that. Yeah. I have to say with the same, and I, I thank you for acknowledging that. I really do. It goes with what you said a few minutes ago. People don't ask, but really what goes on. They only see the outside of like a cover of a book. They don't know the pages within it. And it's same thing for you. I am a diehard race fan. And people, when they, when there's a crash, we are, we're not connected to that person, but we know who the driver is. We know the car number. We know their name. We know whatever the media has um, given us but we don't see the details. So with your dad being in that accident, it's the same thing. I look at the racing industry so different now when someone crashes. Yeah, it's great to go see these and people are like, oh, there's only these crashes. Oh, no crash. one knows. Right, he's like, yeah, the crowd's oh. going on. Or the crowd's like, oh my gosh, what happened? Are they okay? And we don't know. They don't broadcast anything thereafter. Are you here? And the show just goes on. And for that family, time stops. You get stuck it, in that moment and does. you see time still going and people still going about their everyday mundane lives you know and it's like wait a minute you know don't you know that the world just ended for me you know but it just keeps going on and uh you really have to catch up to yourself or you can really flounder you know but i also believe that there can be a lot of gifts and um power yeah. in facing your trauma mm -hmm. and learning um, pulling out of yourself what you got out of that because anytime you go through something that difficult you've learned something out of that and I think it's our responsibility to find the gifts that come out of our fire or the kiln if you will and then uh, love ourselves for that and then share those gifts with other people and there are some people that get stuck and we already know who, who those people are that come across in our lives and I really want to encourage anyone that, that is in that position that 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 time does not stay there. Your thoughts stay there. That memory stays there. Like you just mentioned, like my accident, your accident will always be forever remembered in that year, in that time, in that moment. But as we know, the years have continued to go forward. And that means we still have things we need to, 
to do. And if you stay stuck, it's really not helping you in any way, shape or form. And so I encourage people to find a way to actually get out of that stuckness. And you know that because you've shared that you went down some deep, dark areas with addiction. Um, so I guess what I would ask with the addiction part, and you've already mentioned, you know, drugs, alcohol, and running from yourself or running from what we think we want to run from, but we get, somehow we get pulled back to say, you've got to face this. Yes. Where was your turning point that you said, okay, I have to face this. And you talked about the wall, but there's more than just going to the accident scene. There's more right. now because you, now the years have gone on, you're, you have a family and now you're doing things in the community, right. which we'll talk about next. Well, I was living in Laguna Beach. Um, I had been addicted to crack cocaine for three years. I was wow. living in the coke house, the crack house. I mean, it was, I couldn't get away. Um, but I did get a little bit of time clean. That didn't last very long. But then I, I met my now husband. And at the time, he was also very out of his mind with his own trauma and addictions. And honestly, um, just to be candid, we got pregnant right away. And um, it, it was at that moment that I realized this is my chance. You know, I'm, I, I, I had to leave Laguna Beach. I, you know, I just, you have to get up and out of your environment. Yeah. And I told my husband, I said, I know we don't know each other very well. Cause we didn't, I said, but you're welcome to come with me and we'll try this. Otherwise I'll never bother you. But he dropped everything too. And we held hands and just drove out of Laguna. We moved out to this little city in Nevada, Boulder city by Lake Mead. I know where it's at. Oh, oh I have a little place there. And, um, we, we moved away. We were strangers and we moved away from everything we knew and went to this um, place where, and at that moment, um, I, I realized this was my chance. My son's name is Chance, by the way. Oh, uh, imagine that. That's awesome. Yeah. So after I got um, out of Laguna and um, just in a um, more stable environment, that's when I really sat down to revisit my faith. I was born and raised into the Christian faith, um, been studying the scripture my whole life, went to private Christian school till, till, till high school. Um, but it was, I knew it was time for me to uh, regroup, um, reboot everything reboot absolutely i had to reboot yeah and so i literally sat myself down and began studying with joyce meyer um 10 years straight all uh three times a day i would listen to her and and i was so isolated because i just really needed to get a lot of darkness out and become the empty vessel again and then fill it up with light and good and the gospel truth and positive and love and all the opposite of right. what I've been healing myself with before. So um, it was at that time, um, Chance was uh, uh, just a few years old when, when people figured out who I was on Facebook. And so that's when it changed for me is when I found out I was going to be a mom. I had never had a happy family situation. Um, I mean, there were happy times, of course, but, you know, sometimes the dark times overshadow some of the good times. But I think our um, expectations of family are, are just that expectations. You, you talked about, you know, there's some good memories. I could share the same thing. I had some great memories and there's some that are not so great. And there's some things that I just was, I'm pained by and there's some things I'm blessed by. So our, our, that word expectation has so much involved in that. I think we oh. probably use it more than we really should. 
it's exhausting. You know, it's, it's like the idea of perfection. I've, I've really come to realize that perfection is an absolute lie. Right. It's, it's a, it's an illusion, you know, it's completely relative. Um, it's, it's too hard to obtain too hard to maintain. And then in the end, who's the judge anyway, to right. me, only the good Lord is my judge. And he already sees me as just absolutely perfect. So why even dive into all that? It's just like keeping up with the Joneses or, you know, and, and you see like the, the Kim and the Courtney Kardashians, you know, they're supposedly rich and famous and, and living the dream, but they're not happy. They're not happy. They're not happy. Everyone has something in their lives that, that we don't Everyone. see or until something explodes that everybody sees. So going back to when you actually were filling your vessel again, I love that you use that term because it is so true. I had this that had this mental image of this vessel so full, like it sunk to the bottom of the, the, the ocean and it's heavy yeah. and it's got full of, you know, stuff that's not really going to do any good because it's not definitely going to go back to the surface right. that's filled with gunk. And you talked about refilling your vessel. So you refilled your vessel. I love Joyce Myers. I've gone to some of her um, performances when she's come to here in the Phoenix area. And so I know what kind of energy you're talking about. And I know how straight she is about what you uh, really need to hear. No. And it makes sense, right? Yeah, if you're willing to make love. that of mom yeah as long as you're willing and to that's how I, I take it because you know i i don't do very well under authority <laughs> you know i've always been very strong-willed and independent uh -huh. right so but when joyce starts to speak it was kind of like oh, yes ma'am right <laughs> well, i yes, love that well straight forward yeah none of the i don't like don't don't come at me with all your freelies and stuff just get to get me to the good stuff you know and she's like that yeah. and i i really appreciate her uh well, everything about her, you know, she talks about how she never thought she hated her voice. She hated this. She hated everything completely abused. And and to see how God's used her, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's her ministry is amazing. It really is. So you're but now you talked about Boulder City, but you're not there now. So you're back in the home, your hometown. That's right. Um, I ended up back there? home in Indiana, just like the song. Um my husband had a business, Mr. Fix It, out in Boulder City, and that was right when I was coming back to Indiana for the first time. Well, he had a bad accident, and he fell off a ladder and, and, and broke his legs and couldn't walk. Well, there was no insurance, and there was no savings, oh. and while I had been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, you know, suddenly, my husband's on the chair. He can't move, and it was like, oh, uh -oh. shoot. <laughs> yeah, I have to figure something out. So, <laughs> Fight or flight. My friend, yes, that's right. My friend Ted Warner, who I spoke about, my business partner, um, and also the author of my book, uh, he was just starting a new program um, with the Min John Cooper Works Mini Coopers cars, um, doing autocross events. And I asked him if I could. I said, I want to do it. I need to do something, and let I'd, I'd be happy to come on the road with you. So that's when I joined the Miles Ahead team and started traveling um, around. And then, so what I was doing was I was live. Li my family was in Boulder City, but I was working in Indiana. And I was going back and forth. Oh wow! And I have another small son at that time, and and I'd be gone for weeks at a time. So I finally just I called my husband and I said, "Babe, we're moving to Indiana." Um, Put that house up for rent. I'll be home in in start packing. I'll be home in two weeks. And so with, within a just a month, I had gone home, rented out my house, and moved my whole family back to Indiana. Now we actually all work together um, as a team. My husband does the timing and the scoring. Um, my son Chance uh, does. He's the 
we have to have a cone boy, right? If somebody hits a cone, they have to call it in on the radio. And then my son, Cruz, who's nine, um, he has his own title, Director of Youth Entertainment Services. Okay. He, Sounds um, pretty elaborate. He gets all the kids together at the events and lets them play with his Legos. Nice. So it's turned into a real blessing that we can all work together and we get to travel around together and do fun autocross type things. The family that plays together stays together is where that state statement comes into place. Amen. You know, awesome. they, they really are my best friends. So now you have a couple of things with uh, your community that you're involved in. You want to share a little bit about those? Like the event that's coming up, I want to say in, did you say November? And then we have something, I think the Indies in May, isn't it? Is that what we talked about? Uh, yeah, May 21st, we have a race to the finish um, for the Youth Haven Foundation. Um, it's going to be really nice. You can check out the details uh, on the Miles Ahead page on Facebook. And then I also, I'm lucky enough to be on the board of directors for a nonprofit organization called um, Youth Opportunity Foundation. And now what they do is they take the troubled kids to turn them into successful adults, mostly ones that have been through the system, um, the jail system that is. It's really, really hard to get out of that once you're in that. And they don't have any follow-up programs, so we really oh. work on that. And we're also doing some really top-notch uh, studies on how traumatic brain injury can um, affect mental illness mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. things. And so that's something that they never really crossed over mental illness as it could be related to a traumatic, traumatic brain injury. And so I'm really fascinated with that um, subject. I know my dad had a, a hard, another hard crash where he hit his head on the wall and had a brain injury. So I'm really fascinated with with that subject. So um, I'm really blessed to be working in the community, helping people who have um, been through their own traumas, um, helping them work through those things and just trying to be um, an encourager, you know, just not, not that you have to be this, that, or the other thing, just come as you are and just show up, you know, if you just this whole suit up and show up thing really gets you a lot of places that, you know, they say that you do your best and God will do the rest. I've really found that to be true that if you, if you get out there and do things, then, then the next step will will be shown to you. Sometimes you don't know where you're going. Just get up and go. And, you know, the Holy Spirit will guide you to the right places. I think a lot of us would consider themselves lost when they don't know where that get up and show up statement comes into place. And then when you're like, just go. And you're like, go where? Do what? We're always questioning ourselves. We're overthinking things, right? Oh, man. We overthink everything. Um and that can really lead to uh, analysis paralysis, <laughs> where you just think something over so much, you kill it, you yes. know, or, or you take, you know, that can really kill the creative flow and things too, when your head gets over involved. I know I have a tendency to live through my heart. That's just who I am. And like Ted, he's the brain. See, in the, in the business, he's the brain on the heart and it just works out. I'm trying to find more balance, but um, I do definitely believe that we can, the words will get in the way and, and we can definitely think things to death. And, and they're gone before we even get them going because we've let our fears and every our expectations and all these things ruin the creative flow. We you do. Know? 
So you got to put a lot of things on faith. And, and like I said, you don't always know where you're going, but you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And remember that we only have grace for today. So just one day at a time, you know, just do what makes you feel good on the inside. Don't hide. We all want to hide. I would stay in my beddie with my kitty cats, you know, in my blankies for the rest of my life, you know, but I really think that now's the time we need to encourage one another. It's, uh, really a strange time, um, a very exciting time to be alive too. We see a lot of things happening um, in our society, a lot of prophecies coming true. And oh, I believe yeah. it's time for us to um, stand up tall in our faith mm -hmm. and encourage everyone around us to do the same thing. Cause there's a lot of evil in the world that we need to be fighting. We've kind of, and, and this isn't going to go into like the political part that we've, everybody had that reset button put on them globally, not just here in the States, oh, but globally, it's one of those, um, we need the unity where we don't have the unity and you have the smaller people, or I wouldn't say smaller people, you have smaller groups I've noticed that want that unity, but then there's not enough people. And I may be speaking out of term who take that voice that they have, that forget that they can use to a positive to say, stand up, show right. up, stand up and let's be a unity of a country or even the world. I'm sure that the world is probably a lot bigger picture than we can do, but here in the community, like you're doing. You Yes, exactly. Like I said, you start your community, my community, or even just the communities of a family and our friends and just kind of goes from there. And the one thing that right. we're missing is more love, more respect for one another, and definitely the unity. Remember when we didn't talk about politics or religion and people got along a little bit better? Well, yeah. what happened to that? You know what? That was just like, that was the given in the equation. That was just like, Oh, we just already know not to do that. It's like this, the social media, you know, the powers that be are really trying to disconnect the people and it's working and we need to wake up and see that happening and go, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to stay inside. I can hug somebody and I'm not going to die if I hug somebody. You know, we have to fight these powers that are filling us with all these fears. Well, and, you know, the other thing, too, we'll go back on both of us sharing the same thing as far as loss goes. There's a division there, too. Is there not where people and you said early on, no one knows what to say. No one knows how to act around you. They don't know what to do. And it's like you don't really have to. You know, you don't have to leave and you don't have to treat us differently just because something different happened to us. And then I've had people, and I don't know if this has happened to you, where someone has lost a loved one. All of a sudden they come back around into your life and they go, oh, I get it. And that's yeah. okay. You don't have to have it happen to you to get it, but at least be there and acknowledge that we all have something that's in our lives we that has been changed. Something. Yeah. And it is relative. You know, we're only the, 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 we're only the things that have happened to us. That's what builds our, our character. character. But in that way, we're all the same. We're all exactly the same. And we are really all these beautiful um, hearts that God just adores, you know. And we've really fallen into all this co comparison. And um, especially women, you know, we're expected to be so perfect and this and that and you know we we create humans in our body but then we still have to be this big after that you know none of it none of it works we need to respect the sacred feminine again we've really lost that somehow in the last 50 years that the idea of beauty is is anorexia boltons and duck lips and i'm just not gonna fall for that i'm oh, not no. gonna fall for that you know and and i think um as women we need to be nicer to each other to 
we can be a little catty, but that's only from our own insecurities because we've probably been hurt by women in the past. You know, I think we just have to all just try harder to be a little bit nicer, you know? So before I ask my final question, I did forget to ask you have the book. What was it? The name of the book again? Savage Angel. So it's not available yet, but it is going to be in the near future. Yes, it's it's in production now, and I think we're going to be launching at the first annual IndyCar race in Nashville, Tennessee, later this year. And that when that is when again, so that if anyone's interested in like following it, I don't know the exact date, but I think it's the third weekend in August, okay. and that's the first year they're going to do a a road course IndyCar race through the streets of Nashville. Nashville? Oh, wow. Just over a bridge and then back over a bridge. And I am so excited to see how they're going to put this event together. And Miles Ahead also works with this uh this company called Vintage Indy, and we go around with the with the Indy car races and have a Vintage Indy paddock with all the old cars and oh, stuff. Nice. And then Miles Ahead provides the pace car for for the Vintage Indy car races. So we're already going to be there, and we thought, what a great opportunity to launch our book. Oh, that would be great. So you've given us a whole schedule of racing. I'm going to have to put that on my calendar because I, like I said, I love racing. But the one that's going to be in Nashville will be quite interesting, especially when you talk about bridges. I mean, doing these on streets that we take for granted, we're just going to use to go to work or whatever to events downtown. These people who are creative in their minds saying, this is going to be the perfect racetrack. You're like, what? What do you you up with that? So that's going to be kind of cool. Well, it's a it's a really, really huge, big deal to get an event like that to go. Of course, you have to get all the you know businesses involved and shut down the streets. And and, you know, considering what we all went through last year with events kind of just being totally knocked out. Um, it's a real blessing that this is approved and going through. So I, I can't wait to get there and, and see the very first annual. I'm glad that we're starting to get our lives back. No pun intended on track. Oh, <laughs> you so know, I my- came, came to the point where I have to get myself back to some sort of normal or, or, you know, le- I started getting so depressed five or six months ago, just being locked in. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm used to living in the sun. There's, there's not a lot of sun this time in Indiana. So, um, the blues were getting me, I was putting on weight, you know, just, everything. So I, I figured, you know, I'm either gonna, and I started drinking again too, when I moved oh. to Indiana. Well, I quit that now, but it was just last year. Um, you know, I, I was like, okay, 2020, either I'm going to work really hard and come out better than ever from this, or this, this thing's going to just knock me out. So I, I quit drinking again and I've been working out and I'm ready now. I'm ready to not only, um, have the new normal, but help bring back the new normal. We're bringing it back. I'm not going to sit around anymore and wait for people to say, Oh, I want to live again. You know, I can't wait. (laughs) I want to, I want to do it now. And I want to, um, you know, always inspire my kids to be living their fullest too. So let's bring back the better normal. Um, and, uh, get this party started again. You betcha. So with my final question and that being said, you may have already answered it, but don't even know. So I love asking this question. I say this in every one of my interviews because it really is true. And you had mentioned you're, you know, big hearted and I am too. And so I take to heart what the answer is to this question that I ask everybody. And that question is, 
what message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life with all of the different things that you went through? You know, I would say that my message would be whatever it is that scares you the most. Those are the things you need to run after, mm. not away from. Mm. And if you do that, I think um, that's how you break chains and negative strongholds and curses that hold you back. So whatever it is that you're afraid of, run towards that. And I, I believe that there will be um, existential answers for you on the other side of that fire. I love that. That was pretty powerful because I'm going to tell you right now, I woke up this morning with some things on my mind after a long hike yesterday with my niece in Sedona. Oh, and that, I have been in Sedona. Is that oh, where you live? Huh? Oh, I can't wait to come. I, yes. I know there's a lot of um, spirit that lives in the area too, and I need to come check it out for me. There's a lot of beauty in the desert. People don't realize that Arizona uh-huh. is not just about cactus and dirt. There's a lot of beauty in it too. It's a good place to get your Zen if you want to have your Zen. But the message you just gave as far as the fear, it's like chasing after it. And I'll say it real quickly. She, My niece and I, she's 30 and she loves to hike. So we're the only ones in the family that like to be adventurous. Well, our adventures have turned really into adventures because we don't seem to plan it right. We have this, we're going to go here focus, but then somehow something like gets us in different directions so where we were going yesterday we didn't quite make it because we kept getting detoured by these different paths based on someone else's description and direction and that never got us to our point so a two-hour hike turned into six <laughs> it's like the israelites <laughs> wandering in the desert for four we years. were so determined to find this place and gave up on all the directions that people would put on the pinterest or wherever the site was we're like no we're gonna find it at this point, it was now we run out of energy and it's like the steamboat running out of steam, right? Yeah. right? And we drank all our water. We're like, we don't want to get stupid and get stuck in, in, in right. the desert and not have any water. And so we're like, you know what? We're going to have to save this for the time. But like I said, two hours turned into six because we were so determined to, to keep on that focus and keep going towards that one thing we wanted to do, even though we didn't even know what the place looked like. We just knew it was a great place to go to based on the reviews. So thanks sounds for the message. Wonderful. Oh, it sounds really great. I love hiking and just being out in nature, off the grid, so to speak, if that's even possible anymore. It is. I just, we did. We were in areas. I'm like, I don't think this is a path because um, I'm slipping. <laughs> With that being said, and I just want to again say thank you so much for giving me your time and sharing your journey and the uh, legendary Swede Savage, your dad. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been really lovely. I hope we get to meet again. Oh, we will. Person, <laughs> and anytime you want me to come on your show, just give me a holla. I love it. To my listeners, to my viewers, wherever you are hearing or seeing this, thank you for paying attention and listening and watching to another amazing individual in her community talking about the real life situations that happen that you don't have to always be okay. That things aren't always okay, but you will be okay. That's what I meant to say. Until next time, everyone, if you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story or an organization in your community that you want to be heard and feel the needs to be heard, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.